Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to another episode of the Beat Orm Podcast. I'm your co-host, Don the Piz Elevert, joined as always by Justin Jericho Turner. And we are two former college roommates getting together a couple decades later to talk about life, business, media, culture, entertainment, and everything in between. Let's go. What's up, brother? What's good, homie? What's good? It's been a it's been a it's rough good. week. It's been a not so pleasant week, that's for sure. We're gonna get around to that in a few. But first, as always, cheers, my man. Cling. Salute. What are you working on this week that you've already crushed half of? Yeah, I've been I've been getting in. Uh, this, this, I know we're going to get into it. I mean, y'all, y'all see the word on my chest. Like it's, we're going to get real today, but, uh, my drinks are black too. As y'all, as y'all know, this is actually, uh, it's a non-alcoholic, uh, s'mores beer. So it's got a little marshmallow notes. It's got the chocolate notes. And then I, Spiked it with some spiced rum. <laughs> I was just going to comment because I was like, last week, I was the one still recovering from some health issues, some COVID issues. So I was taking it easy and drinking a healthy non-alcoholic drink. I thought you came with a non-alcoholic beverage, but you threw that spiced rum at the end. What kind of rum you spike it with? Uh, Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan. We're going to talk about that in a hot second. But first. You got to stand up, uh, show the people that the what your shirt actually says. Those The people oh, yeah, that check yeah, yeah. out the YouTube video. All of y'all listening, make sure you check out the YouTube. Or if you're on YouTube, you see it says Black Lives Still Matter, people. They still matter. I just wanted to put that out <laughs> there real quick. Yeah, I had to alter my shirt with a little duct tape, but that's all right. Because we still matter. <laughs> I feel you. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm like, Obviously. this... this this shit, I be I be scratching my head sometimes when stuff happens. You know, we're scholars, Pizzle, and you know we'll talk about a little bit Black history today. But like, how is it possible that in 2022 that niggas is carving nigga on the side of a gun, Piz? What is going on? <laughs> Like I, I, I'm laughing because I can't do anything else because I've been stewing in my own negrosity all day. <laughs> uh, like I, I need to laugh. You, you know why we laugh. We've talked about this on the pod. Just yeah. For all the people who don't understand, black people use humor to, to, to disarm, okay? Because it's, it's hard to be black American. It's hard to walk around in chocolate skin in this country knowing that there are people in this country who quite literally think we are subhuman and just want to kill us. Like, that's wild shit. People like, you know, don't pretend to empathize if you don't understand it. And there are plenty of marginalized groups in this country that understand it in different ways. 
But just to be clear, there's a difference between being marginalized in America and being black in America. And I just want to point that out. I, I spoke last week. If y'all checked out last week's pod, I said that America hates women more than it hates any other group. This is true. Okay. Even though I'm railing about, you know, America's dislike of black, strong dislike of black, America definitely hates women more. I can prove it because America has done more to actively hate women in the face of pretending to not hate women, as opposed to dudes like this who are out in the street killing us and basically doing it, you know, broadcasting it on the air like I'm, I'm an all out white supremacist. This is just what I do. I'm here to kill niggas. Like this, I'm, there's one of those, and there's probably a few more that ain't actually pulling the trigger, but there are hundreds of thousands of men in this country right now practicing anti-women behavior. So I just want to, I just want to throw that out there real quick. I'm, I'm always going to be pro-black because I am, and that's the group that I ascribe to, but I'm a hardcore ally and I do not change my story. All right, let me break down, just respond to the things you just said there. First of all, I feel you obviously feel the same pain, but for us, at least, I don't know, y'all, whoever y'all are listening to this, who knows what day it is when you're listening to this, but for us, it's Friday, it's Friday, TGIF. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work through this pain, but we're going to work through it in B-dorm fashion Um, to your discussion of hated groups and groups that are most hated on etc blah blah i don't want to make it a competition my whole thing is as i've stated multiple times before in one way or another on the pod like i just think that anybody who is historically disenfranchised hated on prejudiced against whatever you want to call it should all recognize the similarities in their plight and get together rather than fight amongst each other and not have it be because once we start talking about, oh, but we're hated on more. No, we're hated on more. Then that's what gets people kind of like that's what keeps those people fighting amongst each other and not actually achieving anything against the to the people who are actually the ones that they all have in common that are hurting their life, their quality of life. That being said, um, what we can turn into a competition is tasty ass drinks. And you didn't even let me talk about my drink. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> I got real black and I apologize. And I wanted to take it down for a second. But see, for people who don't understand, this is what B-Dorm is. This is what it is. Um, we, were, we were doing this shit 20 some odd years ago in the actual dorm, talking shit, getting mm-hmm. bent and, and yelling at each other and then having to correct each other because, you know, sometimes things yeah. got out of control. So, Fizzle, please tell the people... With that big sequence of events, (laughs) (laughs) sequence of events. First, I got to get into my drink and then I can maybe get angry with you if necessary. All right. What do we got? Um, The reason I was talking, the reason I was saying the rum, it's interesting you came with the, with the rum, but you didn't bring the rum that I brought to the table, my friend. So I realized we're on episode eight now. We're on episode eight. We almost got to double digits and I haven't made anything with Barbara and Court. You sure? Mm. I'm 99% <laughs> sure. But, but <laughs> I don't know if that's if true. If I did and I don't remember, that means it was really good because that means I probably made an extra one after the pod was done recording. 
<laughs> there it is. I'm pretty yeah, sure I haven't made anything with barbecue. Check us out. Let me see. Let me, I don't <laughs> call us out. But um, so I was like, let me go get the barbecue because I was like, first off, we gotta tell people about barbecue because I realized this is one of the uh the best kept uh Haitian secrets is our rum. It's not, I shouldn't say it's a secret, but it seems like whenever I ask people who aren't Haitian or don't have close Haitian friends, if they've had barbecue or rum, they haven't had it. So to let y'all know that if you don't have a Haitian friend, well, then uh, let me be your Haitian friend and tell you, go to your local liquor store, ask them if they have barbecue or rum. If they do get some for yourself and what, however you like to enjoy rum, this is going to make it better than what you've ever had before. It is the perfect rum because you can sip on it and it's smooth. You can, it makes the best rum and Coke. You can argue with me on that all and all day and night. You can argue, but it makes the best rum and Coke. But what I bring made here, cause I couldn't come, I wasn't going to come with some just plain old rum and Coke. I made a barbecue mojito fresh, okay. all fresh here. Right? So first off, took your advice from several episodes back when you said get that agave syrup is so that it doesn't so that you know use the science so that it mixes better does you know it doesn't coagulate or whatever with the ice and i don't get that sugar rush because it doesn't have that same glycemic impact right so i went i finally picked up some agave so this is agave syrup muddled mint fresh mint muddled fresh lime squeezed juice threw the lime in there pulp uh orange agostora bitters or angostora however you say it bitters um what else is in here club soda the barbing core some rocks let's go this right here part of what also inspired it it's about to be sweltering hot it's like that that a storm just rolled in here we're getting that tropical weather it's about to be 90 degrees all weekend had to be like let's you know Let's do this. If we can get that Caribbean weather, I'm going to represent my Caribbean roots. So all y'all out there, I'm trying to figure out what to call this, though. I don't know if this is so this is a if this is a Haitian mojito or a Bidor mojito. Like, what is this? Am I drinking a mojitian? Am I drinking a brojito? I don't know. Sapacito. <laughs> <laughs> a sacpacito. <laughs> a sacpacito. <laughs> For those of y'all that know Creole say, <laughs> whatever it is, I got to tell you when I, after I made this every once in a while, you make a drink. You ever, sometimes this happens with food, you know, when you make, but sometimes it happens with drinks. I made this drink. I took a sip and I said, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hit it with more rum. <laughs> right, 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 right. It was tasting a little bit too good. So you got to top it. And I said, let's go record this pot. And I said, let's go record this pod right now. Word. <laughs> that's why you were right, like, so I need like, I need like 10 minutes to make my drink. <laughs> yeah. That's why I told you, I was like, give me a, give me a hot second. Give me a hot second. Word, word. <laughs> I was, I was, cause I was, I was sque- hand squeezing lime and muddling mint. And I realized when I texted you, it was like, oh, that's when I realized I was like, I don't have a muddler. <laughs> you know, that like thing, that device that like bars, that little, like yeah, nobody, the- you don't have one at home. Well, I, I actually I have a mortar and pestle in the crib. <laughs> All right. Well then, gift your boy for the holidays next time they roll around. 
that <laughs> you I know believe it's pronounced pestle, pestle, pestle. I don't know. <laughs> One of those. It's like, we're not going to talk about like you can't, if you came to listen to this conversation between me and Jericho on the beat podcast, you didn't come to hear the same old discussion you hear on any other news. So are we going to talk about the, the mass shootings that have occurred and in particular this Buffalo situation? Of course we are. But first we want to talk about some stuff that may pertain to that. So JT. Yes, sir. I've had a lot of thoughts this week. Got to sit about on this and something that start, I started wondering that you, I've never asked you before. What is your most irrational fear in life? Ooh. Like ira- when I say irrational fear, I don't mean like <laughs> when I when I'm always bringing up these apocalyptic dystopian whatever situation. Oh. I mean, like an irrational fear that's rooted somewhat in reality. All right. All right. Um, hmm. when I was a kid, uh, grew up in uh, Left Rack City, Queens. Shout out to Left Rack, um, Left Rack adjacent. Shout out Left Rack. Know the neighborhood. Um, First of all, is it Left Rack or Left Rack? Because at Amherst College, it was the Left Rack Gymnasium, and that used to confuse the hell out of me. Because I was like, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, 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 I used to hang out in Left Rack, Queens. So we going yeah. Left Rack or Left Rack? There's definitely the neighborhood is called Left Rack. But Queens heads, y'all know what's up. It's like if you live in New York and you talk to tourists and they're like, yeah, I'm going to uh, going to Houston Street. You're like, no, 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 no. Oh, don't. No, 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 no. You no, ain't. No, no. Don't ever hit me with where's Houston Street. Right. It's Houston. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where when you live a certain place, sometimes you pronounce some shit kind of fucked up. The dude's name is Samuel J. LaFrock, right? What, or whatever. But whatever. <laughs> His name is LaFrock in, in the hood. So. Um, I was watching the, the, the 86 Mets. That's how old I am. I was a little kid jumping up and down on my bed, watching the Mets crush fools and the largest cockroach in the world crawled across my bed and crawled across my foot. And I freaked out, jumped up, kicked the roach into the sky. Right. And so the thing started flying. I just took off out of my room, went to go get my mom's was like, mom, there's a beast in my room, tried to kill me. <laughs> so she went in there, found it, killed it, and then brought it and held it in my face. It was like, you don't have to be scared of this thing. And of course, I was a child, so I screamed my ass off and ran into the next room and stuck my head under a pillow. And I had nightmares about roaches for like two weeks straight. I still, I wouldn't say it's, it's not an irrational fear. It's an actual fear. <laughs> um, like the, the roaches of a certain size freak me out, man. Like I look at them and I'm just like, Yo, what is that thing? What is that alien thing? <laughs> All right. I got, I got a couple of questions. Well, oh man. Lot to go, lot to go down in this, on this, on this time, this issue. I didn't know that's where you're going to go with this, but first off, for those that hear you tell this story and then are like, oh, this man, he, well, he must have grown up in some hard times in the real ghetto. Like, first of all, like, if you, if you live in the vicinity of New York or any metropolis area and you think that there aren't roaches 
anywhere near you, you're yeah. you're you're joking yourself. I yeah. love I laugh when people first come to New York in their first couple of years and they go to a restaurant. And they're like, oh, I saw a roach in that restaurant. I'm never going back there. I'm like, right. well, don't eat roaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that you can't eat anywhere because there's roaches in every in the back of every place. Like well, that that's what happens. But you said that that roach flew. Yeah, I'm confused. I didn't. I th- I didn't think roaches flew. Am I wrong on this? Them big ones fly, man. The real big ones, they fly. They can't like take off or from the ground and fly, but they will jump and flutter because they got wings and it's fucking gross. It looks like a monster. (laughs) That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. Yes, it is. Hey, B-Dorm listeners, you've probably heard me mention in passing that I do professional voiceover work. Well, some of that includes audiobooks that you can download off of Audible. So check this out. We know you love to listen. And for a limited time only, we've got a great special offer for our dedicated listeners. We're happy to be able to offer you up to two free books when you try Audible Premium Plus. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, to Dolly Parton and James Patterson's Run, Rose, Run. There's something for everyone, and they're the perfect companion for your weekend run or your summer road trip. You can listen to thousands of great titles, as many as you want, whenever you want. Stream or download to listen offline. Click the link in the show notes and get started today. Have you ever been? Have you ever been in the anywhere in the Caribbean? Talking about talking about that barb and core. Talking about Haiti. When I was the first time I went to Haiti, I was like, I didn't get to go to Haiti till I was like, I think 13 years old, 12, 13 years old. And I remember, I remember trying to fall asleep and hearing tick, 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 like some little footsteps. <laughs> I was like, who's pitter pattering uh, on the other side of the room? And then you open your eyes and you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> you're, you, <laughs> you're insects in this part of the world. <laughs> They got boots on and shit. <laughs> they got, 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 got military boots on and they're big. <laughs> like, that's the other thing. People people get mad about these these tiny little roaches here. No, sir. Don't 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 go somewhere that's got actual actual roaches of a uh I don't I'm gonna date myself with this one, but you were talking about that roach in 86. You ever seen the movie um the Princess Bride. Yeah, man. Rodents of unusual size. Where they got where he goes through the where he goes through that uh that area where they got the ROU the ROUSs, the rodents of unusual sizes. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Classic film. Classic Caribbean, film. Caribbean Caribbean got them cockroaches of unusual sizes. Word. <laughs> <laughs> so right. anyway. So uh, ir- that's your so your irrational fear. Although, in fairness, not necessarily so irrational because roaches do you know they, they can carry some grimy dis- I think germs or diseases or some other stuff, right? And they're you know, but I'm also allergic. Like if, I'm if, allergic to everything. You're allergic to roaches. We talked about yeah. this last time. How are the <laughs> who the fuck is allergic to roaches? How the hell are you allergic to a roach? I don't know. How do you I find was- out that you're allergic to roaches? I had to go to an allergist. 
I don't, did I tell you this? I went to an allergist and they put like this grid on your arm, on both arms. And then they scratch oh, yeah, I know you with everything. Yeah, the scratch test. So roach is one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm allergic to this shit. Why are they scratching you with a roach, though? And why does it matter if you're allergic to roaches? Because I live in New York. We just talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All right. All right. All right. So anyway, then. Um, I'm going to admit to you a now an irrational fear of mine that made it through all of our friendship, all the this quarter century friendship of ours, <laughs> that somehow I never divulged to you what my most irrational fear in life is. But I really, really hate and get a little concerned <laughs> when I see a slug. Yeah. <laughs> slugs <laughs> slugs man and when i say slugs i'm not talking about like weaponry not right not not bullets like yeah. slimy like that that's that's a rational fear right <laughs> <laughs> that's a rational fear as we alluded to in the opening of this discussion <laughs> but slugs i'm talking about those fat Weird looking, moist, wormy joints that can only come out at night. They can't be in the sunlight. Like, first of all, if sunlight, if you can't be in the sun, like you're a vampire. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, so you're the, you're vampirous, these things. I don't like it's, I know it's irrational because like a slug isn't out to get me in any way, shape or form. If it is out to get me, I'm pretty sure it can't catch me. I've mentioned before that I'm not quick. I'm not stealthy, but I'm stealthier than a goddamn slug. (laughs) And as long as I get my hand on some salt, (laughs) salt happens to be a weapon of mass destruction to to these slugs. But I grew up in Valley Stream, Long Island, where slugs, I don't know what's up with the town. I don't know if it's the town I grew up in. I don't know if it's the block I grew up on. I don't know if it's just our backyard, but there's a military, a full militia of slugs that comes out at night. <laughs> so like in our backyard, especially when you have a barbecue, you have a barbecue, they smell that barbecue. They smell that, they smell that sauce. They smell that peak leaves. They smell that, they smell the essence of that good cooking. And then those slugs start creeping out in force. And so... <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. Re- I'm gonna tell you how this all started, though. How this all started, right? Because <clears throat> it's not just slugs. It's really like worm-like things of a, of all that nature. So when I was a young kid, my grandfather. This is my my mom's mom. Um, rest in peace. Rest in power. Rest in whatever you want else you want the P to stand for. Um, but he. I had very few. Um, like. I guess one-on-one quality moments with my grandfather because, you know, in, in addition to the age difference that you have grandparents, I had a language barrier that a lot of kids, a lot of immigrant uh, kids from immigrant families experience. And I didn't really speak Haitian Creole or French all that well uh, at that point. And my, uh, and I still don't to, I'm not fluent at least. And my, um, but my grandfather, that's all he spoke, but we were having a moment in the backyard and he, was joking around with me 
about, um, and I recognize now that he was joking, but I didn't know, realize he was joking then. And that's an important part of his story. He was joking <laughs> around with me in the backyard because I was barefoot and he was telling me, don't walk barefoot in the grass because if any of these worms bite you, uh, which I don't even think worm, I don't even know if worms bite per se or those kind of worms, but he was like, if any of these worms bite you, then you're going to walk and not be able to walk and you're going to have the shakes and not be able to move and it's going to ruin your life at all. And like he was saying this in like a funny way in Haitian grill and me as a kid, as an impressionable youngster, I'm just like, Whoa, I got to put some shoes on. I got to <laughs> avoid these worms and any of these worm like things. Now thinking back on that, I was thinking back on that this week and I'll explain why in a moment, but I was thinking back on that moment this week because I was like, wow, if I just had a grown up ally step in at that moment who had, who had heard that discussion and just said, oh, grandpa's just messing around. That's not true. Don't believe that. Something to that effect set me straight. Maybe I don't grow up to have this rational fear, but because that never happened, this little idea about worms being something I shouldn't touch, shouldn't step on, shouldn't go near will mess me up in some way. Sat in my brain, festered. Poor nobody kid. knew about it. <laughs> nobody around me knew about it, right? Because they weren't there to hear this conversation. So nobody knew that this is like developing inside of me. And then lo and behold, I grow into this adult. It's not until high school that one, at some point I'm somewhere with some friends that like someone pulls up an earthworm in their hand and I, I'm like, ah! <laughs> and I run. <laughs> I'm like, what you holding that dirty ass worm in your hand for? <laughs> oh, man. Because I was scared was shitless was of a worm. And now, um, and now, as a grown-up, like, I know this is completely, utterly irrational. I know that, like, they're good for the earth. They do good things and they're not out to get me. But you know what happens? I can't help it. I get out there. We go. In fact, I think we're having a, we might be barbecuing this weekend for my uh, pop's birthday at my parents' crib. And come nightfall, like I start looking out for these joints all over the place <laughs> and trying to avoid where they, where, when they start coming out because I have this irrational fear of the, of the worms that was never set straight. And that grew and festered as I matured into this subconscious fear that became a reality of my life that I can't even shake off if I try. Now, now, now. Now, now, now. Now, 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 now. Getting back to the matter, some of the matters at hand here. So there've been a lot of headlines in recent weeks about mass shootings. We're not going to be able to talk about, we, we can't even get around to them all. Um, but a lot of the focus obviously has been on Buffalo. And since we're both New Yorkers, that's something that's relevant to us, not only because of, of us being New Yorkers, but that Buffalo uh, mass shooting was one that happened to be one that is an act of domestic, domestic terrorism that is, by someone filled with hatred that is trying to cause a fearful response specifically to the black community to which you and I are a part of. That being said, though, I was trying to, I like when I, when I was seeing this on the news, 
what I started thinking of is, man, I'm I'm getting really confused by how young some of these people who are filled with this hate are. And wondering, like, how do you get at a how at a young age you get so filled with hate? And that's when I started remembering some of the things I've learned and understood about psychology and the dynamic of how the mind works and and remembering that most hate is fueled by fear in some with some respect right yes sir um so there's been a lot of focus on in the media about you know the proclivity to violence and why people have such easy access to assault style weapons and there are important discussions that we've touched upon and we'll discuss in the future but I really want to talk about this topic of fear that seems to be what actually ignites the flame in these situations. And I think it's one thing to have logical fear as a result of direct experience, right? Like that our brain is programmed to, to create uh, synaptic shortcuts in the brain that uh, create a faster response so that you don't have to think about things. So as a kid, you've never seen fire. You don't know what happens when you when you touch fire. You touch fire, it burns you. Your brain form creates this shortcut so that you don't need to think about it anymore. Instinctive reaction, fire, don't touch, that'll burn me. Right? Uh, but we live in a society where so much fear is both perpetuated and acted upon by individuals who have no direct experience that actually justifies that fear. Right. In the manner that I'm talking about. Right. Now, combine that with the fact that... um Something, and I, I think I might have mentioned this on a previous episode of the pod or, or some discussions you and I had where something that I really have embraced in recent years is a philosophy that we as humans tend to confuse perception with protection of our own subconscious expectations. And when I say that, I mean basically that our eyes and our brains a lot of people think function as cameras that take in what we're seeing and ingest that and then and then deter- make determinations based off what we're perceiving. But in reality, we actually function as projectors that are that take what exists in our subconscious, filters what we are seeing through that and then puts a filter kind of like these filters you see people put on the gram that actually changes realities and shift it to the expectations of what our pre-existing subconscious ideas want it to be. Uh, you're getting real deep. You're going to have to dumb that down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to step away in a second and let, and let you let you more eloquently ex- explain this to people and what your thoughts are. But I had a lot of conversations in uh, like a couple of years ago, especially when the um, during the George Floyd um, after the George Floyd murder and during the George Floyd protests that ensued with friends who consider themselves allies and are great people, but who would said things, you know, along the lines of, I have, I support you in my own beliefs, but you know, in my, when it comes to my family, my, my friends, I grew up with, et cetera. There's a lot of people who harbor a lot of these prejudiced, racist, xenophobic, whatever it is, sentiments. And, I can't confront them on on that. I don't want to make things awkward uh, among them. You know, but that's not me. That's not me. And that's where I start to have problems because 
you are you and I as we're a couple of black dudes have it on a podcast like we're we're we're, we're not going to have we're not going to have an impact on on the of the people who are who are on the level of the people who are out there going to commit these types of mass shootings. Right. We they we don't have access to those people. We don't have access to the people. But the pe- but every one of these people every time you see one of these people on the news pop they're doing interviews with all these people who are who are in these people li- lives who are not people of color who are friends or family who were saying, I, you know, we knew that they had, we knew that this person was, you know, had these sentiments and it's de- deplorable and detestable and it's a shame. It's like, yeah, it's a shame, but how come nobody stepped in to shut that down? So in any case, I know I was, a, you know, I know I threw a lot at you there, a lot, that was a lot, but just like you had to unload at the beginning, you know, I need to get in, I need to have a couple of sips of my drink and get rolling here. So those are my thoughts on it. What say you, sir? I would I would begin with, you know, this the 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 present day concept of racism is just a strange thing. I started talking about that a little bit earlier. But um Chiz, you heard about the the two high schools in uh in like right suburbs in New York. Um, one high school adds like two separate racist incidents with the other high school. Um, it was one happened over. I don't even know if I heard about this one. And there's just, it was, it was racial slurs being slung in public with great comfort, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. And it happened multiple times between these two particular schools. And this is New York. I mean, they're like, you know, not that far from the city. Not that far removed from, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods, right? So mm. I just, there's something happening in the echo chamber that is social media that allows for an idea as hateful as it might be to be magnified and multiplied such that what we would label as an irrational fear becomes an actual fear because of how magnified it becomes in the echo chamber. And, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about this particular kid. Um, I think he's 18 or 19 or he's a teenager for sure. Um, we could talk all day about how he shouldn't have had access to an assault rifle after having been arrested, after having made a threat against his own high school. We can talk about that ad nauseum. How he didn't end up on a red flag list that prevented him from getting a gun. How the people in his life didn't prevent him from getting guns after he was arrested for threatening the heist. We're not going to talk about any of those things, which are all extremely relevant. What we're going to talk about is the fact that this kid, whatever his beliefs were, however quiet he was, he was Definitely, it was brought to someone's attention, right? In this case, it was brought to law enforcement's attention. We didn't have to talk about the people in his life who could have circumvented some of this violence. Law enforcement was made aware of it. So I like in a situation like that, why isn't there some kind of mandatory anger management course or, you know, something, some kind of corrective uh, measure 
that could have been taken that wasn't taken. Um, like when I was in middle school, I got in trouble with some kids with one of the teachers and I had to go to anger management counseling. I was a little kid. Like, you know, this is a teenager who lives in a county with access to assault rifles. And I, I wanted to get to your point because the problem with this situation is oftentimes it's these people's lack of access to us that allows these kinds of ideas to propagate. And if you don't know anything about a person or people and you allow all of your ideas to come from other people who don't know anything, then you are double down on dumb. You know nothing twice. And this is happening all the time. And then for all the reluctant allies, all the people who could have stepped in, there's a whole lot of, like, I don't want to be labeled as a troublemaker, right? Like, I don't want to be labeled as the unfun person at the family barbecue, right? Mm. There's, a, there's a lot of that bullshit going on that is, is very problematic. Because as far as I'm concerned, like, that's where it's supposed to happen. That's where conflicts are supposed to happen before people can be outside affecting other people's lives who they don't know at all. That happened to you. That person lives in your existence. They're in your circle. I feel like you have a certain responsibility to at least try to make an impact. And like, you know, taking it back to one of the conversations we had on an earlier pod, I am not a doctor. I am not a, a, a COVID-19 superstar, but I was trying to get people vaccinated who I knew weren't vaccinated. I, I did it because I felt like maybe these people will listen to me because I am an authority figure in their lives. Right. Some of my some of my students, some of the people mm-hmm. that work for me, mm-hmm. like. I felt like, all right, maybe they'll listen to me. Maybe they won't listen to the people on TV. Maybe they'll listen to me. And that's that's the attitude that I feel like people need to have. And that's the attitude that that some of those, you know. Civil rights activists who weren't black, but put their asses on the line for us and got killed for us. That's what they were doing. They were like, you know what? We're going to take it upon ourselves to communicate to people who might not listen because they can't hear voices. They can't hear black voices. Mm-hmm. So let me give it another voice. And, you know, for some of those people, they lost their lives for it. And I, I get it. It's scary to put yourself out there for a problem that doesn't, quote unquote, directly affect you. But if this doesn't directly affect you, then I feel like you're, you don't really belong among us with humans. Like, go live in a cave somewhere and isolate yourself because it should bother you. It should bother you that somebody could decide upon themselves to get a gun, walk into a place and shoot people just because of what they look like. There's a reason I told that I I told that story that I told. I mean, if it's not obvious already, that story I told about my grandfather (laughs) and the irrational fear. One of the reasons that that story came up in my memory that I hadn't thought about for a long time. But that's kind of when I was diving, when I was sitting there thinking deep about this stuff this past week, because that's what happens to us in the us in the black when you're part of the community that's affected by these things we sit there and it, and it ends up occupying our subconscious for a long time and that's another part that people don't realize this causes a lot of stress and anxiety in the lives of people who are part of the communities that are affected by these things you can't just move yeah. on with your day 
when I going back to what I talked about with that example of fire, for a lot of people, that fire in their lives is all they, they don't have. If you haven't seen a black person in this example, <clears throat> but you've seen all of these, all you see is the what the news puts on and shows you and what the movies show you. And especially if you grew up when we grew up in the 80s and 90s, when the only role, the majority of the roles that black people had were either criminals or, you know, or thugs of some or or really poor people of some sort. Of course, that's what you're going to only think you're only going to think. And I shouldn't. And when, you know what? I shouldn't just say poor people because economic status doesn't 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 define the quality of people's nature. So but black people were misrepresented quite quite extensively um in and are and still to this day are unfortunately in film and media and that then perpetuates this irrational fear in people who that's their only experience with black people yeah so to close this off i'm going to say uh there's a lot of synchronicity in in the universe and I like to appreciate when it happens. And so while I was having all these thoughts this week, I actually got to narrate a, uh, a history lesson for um, some grade school or junior high kids um, that was talking about the Birmingham uh, uh, protests the of oh, the protests. 1950s uh, during, <laughs> yeah, the, during the civil rights movement of the, of the 50s, 60s, et cetera. Um, and one of the things that it actually sparked me after narrating that, and it was, it was referencing the, Martin Luther King Jr.'s involvement and his the his letter from a Birmingham jail that he wrote. And so there's this there's a I went back and I actually started reading that letter from a Birmingham jail. And uh, my God, if you want to ever. If you. Want to understand. How. Intelligent and how amazing of a person Martin Luther King Jr. was in many ways. Go just Google letter from a Birmingham jail and actually don't don't just read some some synopsis of it. Go read the actual thing, because I know that I've learned about this multiple times in history lessons. I've it was referenced in class when I was younger, but I you know, I probably was less mature and didn't care about it as much. But when you I, I don't know if I ever read the full thing, but reading it gives you an impression of at a young age, at a young age, growing up in a society where black people had difficulty getting a t uh, education in the first place. What this man was able to write and put forth is one of is just a intellectual masterpiece. But there's this one excerpt that I think is very relevant that I, I want to leave us with on this topic. And here's what he had to say. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action. Now in the, to put this in context, this was a letter to white clergy that supported Malcolm, uh, sorry, Malcolm, excuse me, Martin Luther's oh, cause. Yeah. Woo. That's a bad, that's a big <laughs> mistake right there. Who supported Martin Luther's cause and the, and the civil rights cause, but who, we're, kind of, we're saying, like, can you do it a different way? Can you wait till we get the right people in power who will put the right laws in order, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And 
while the context is a little more grandiose and maybe different than what people are dealing with on an everyday basis, the one theme that does persist is that preference of negative peace and the absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. And in order to achieve that positive peace, you need to take a proactive step when you see these things happening around you, especially when there's nobody in uh, who is a member of the group that is being affected by what's happening around you are there to step in. That's when you as an ally need to step in and actually say something. And you just saying a couple of words to the people around you, just saying that, Hey, that's not cool. What you just said or did can make the world of difference. Science fiction which I know we've talked about before. You and I are both science fiction aficionados and fans. You yeah. are, you have given lectures on science fiction. Yes, I have. Um, in the world of science fiction, fear is used all the time. Um, for example, we've talked about being comic book fans and take Batman. For example, Batman is a comic book that at its core is all about mastering fear and using it to your advantage to become something larger than self. Right. Weaponizing fear. Weaponizing fear, which is what I we mentioned before early on this podcast, how in the society we live in, fear is constantly weaponized to uh, for especially in politics and by the power by those in power. But another way that fear always comes up in the sci fi realm is in these alien invasion movies, which I watch a lot of. Hmm. It's one of my favorite type of movies. You make one of the movies, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> low, low quality, low budget. I'm, I'm there. I'm there for it. Right. Um, and in numerous alien invasion movies, uh, a common theme is fear of the other being a big uniter of humankind. We finally, hmm. we finally unite because we now have an other that we can all point to and say that is different from all of us. We hate that thing, even though we have no idea what that thing is about. Well, in, so, in their defense, in those movies, that thing is trying to kill them. That thing. Sometimes in those movies, we have no idea if it's trying to kill kill us. It's just it, we just know it's coming, so we don't know what it's going to do. But, but then, but then it does. <laughs> but then it tries to kill us. <laughs> well, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. The reason I bring this up, though, the reason I bring this up is because so that the reason that was on my mind. So I'm thinking about this fear, this fear topic while all this stuff is happening this week, and then, or in the last couple of weeks. And then I see this headline that NASA is sending nudies of humans <laughs> into outer space to try to attract the aliens to come here. Right. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, First of all, for all, for those of y'all that don't know, like it's kind of funny because like if this was a, a, even a decade ago, if we were having this conversation on a, on a podcast, people would be like, these guys are out there with their conspiracy theories. They're talking about aliens. These are crazy people. During the pandemic, the government actually admitted that they that there were that aliens are that at least that UFOs are a real thing, that they have no idea what's going on, that there's these tic tac shaped ships that uh, like do things that we don't have the technology to do that they've been chasing and not just as all other countries around the world and then they released a report about all the government um findings in recent years about 
UFOs, et cetera, et cetera. That all happened. Um, and a lot of people don't know about it because they kind of, they were like, oh, y'all are uh, occupied with this pandemic that's going on. All right, let's just drop this in the background and see if you care. <laughs> so look it up, Google it, read all the stuff I already have, obviously. But that being said, JT, they sent these nudies. <laughs> now, all right, I'm being, I'm exact. I'm not exaggerating. I'm going, but the headlines are exaggerating. You and I both know, I'm sure, that they didn't really send nudies, and it's not the first time. And in fact, this is more of a theoretical thing because it's not even something that's actually been done yet this time around. But it has been done in the past that they've sent some like radio signal or other type stuff uh, that included a like stick figures drawings of humans. Yes. This time, they're, now they're talking about the the idea that some people propose that may or may not occur is <laughs> sending like in binary code, nude outlines of human beings. Nonetheless, I think it's just funnier, the idea that we're sending porn up into outer space to attract aliens. So getting back to the topic at hand here. Sorry. My uh, brojito got me, got me <laughs> off, no off, off track. <laughs> no problem, bro. No problem. So the reason I was thinking about this alien invasion, JT, is that what if that, what if it works? What if this works? Okay. And then the aliens come down here. So we know one of two, one of a couple of things. These aliens are like, oh, it's that kind of party. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all sending nudies into space. <laughs> let's get it on. Right? right. They're coming here. They're coming here to have they're going, they're going to New planet Earth orgy style, style type <laughs> stuff. or. Or, um, for those of you that listened to the last episode of the episode of the podcast, if you didn't, please go back and listen to it, episode seven, where we had a little uh, part of our discussion involved. Why do some people feel the need to uh, dictate how others live their lot, others live their lives, and a lot of those people try to make people dial back their sexual habits? Well, maybe these aliens are like, uh oh, we were going to leave y'all alone. But y'all are a bunch of, heath bunch of heathens <laughs> sending porn into outer space. Yo. So yeah. in any case, these are the thoughts that I was having <laughs> about welcome when I saw the, Welcome to the Beat On Podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, of course, I then thought to myself, well, I got to ask my man Jericho about this. Because if these aliens come... And here's my question for you, JT. All right, I'm ready. Let's say these aliens come down their spaceship lands. They got a big, they open their door. It's got some big green arrows pointing. Come in. And we decide as a world, okay, we can send four people. Jericho, you're on deck. Oh. <laughs> you. Me. You, my man, are going to go represent humankind to talk with these aliens. We don't know which kind of party they're here for. <laughs> I might be. But you're guy. going and you're, <laughs> you're going. <laughs> are you, are you right now? You're like, Piz, I, I did this last weekend. <laughs> right. right. I was partying with aliens yeah. last weekend, bro. What you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have been nominated to represent humankind in this first first contact with these aliens that responded to the nudies that we sent into outer space and you get to bring 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 three people with you this isn't one of those dead or alive questions this is a re this is rooted in reality because it's a thing that could 
actually happened. So okay. you're bringing three currently living people with you. Who you're bringing and why? Let's go. <laughs> three, all right, three living humans. All right, three um, currently living humans. All right, um, all right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with uh, the the smoothest talking human on planet Earth, Barack Obama. He's coming with me, right? Um, for for no reason other than the fact that he's just he's just, that's the smoothest brother. He just is. Like, I always go back. People are like, "Oh, why is Obama still Obama?" Well, it's because some people have swag. And one of them we elected president. It just it happened somehow, and the the swaggiest dude in the country happened to be president. So that was dope. Um, yo, my man, he had three hundred thousand people in Germany came out to hear Obama talk. You know what I'm saying? So I'm taking Obama with me. That's because he he will speak with a little bit more. Uh, we'll call it diplomacy than I would, right? Because I'm, I'm banging the camera up. Hold up, I'm getting excited. All right. um, <laughs> Is he? If we if we had to go back and figure out who the sm- the most swagalicious president of all time is, is it is he like the cl- he's the clear winner? Yeah, he's a clear winner. He's a clear winner. Um, JFK was kind of slick, but you know he had that Boston. JFK accent. had swag. That that Boston. Clinton. That Boston. Clinton. If you if you've ever talked to anybody that's that's actually seen Clinton speak in person, I've heard yeah, from yeah. from people who have been who, multiple people. People always say that Clinton had that like in-person swag that he like that you were just like people would be in awe of that guy. I'll give I'll give Bill some props. I just, you know, like I've I've had models who work on my company be like, yo, I would throw panties at Obama right now. Like how old is he? I would hit him with <laughs> panties right now. So I wanna <laughs> I'll I'll give I'll give him the nod. And and since I'm going with human specimens, my next human specimen is gonna be Serena Williams. Because I just want the aliens to see this big, beautiful, powerful creature. I'm like, yo, this is this is what human women can look like. You know? Like maybe you thought human women were dainty and and you know uh whatever. No, sometimes they look like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, then but then but then then they might take you to. They might be like, "All right, well, we're taking you to human court for false advertising because you sent us this, uh, these, uh, <laughs> these outline, these binary code outlines you sent us didn't have that much, uh, you know, that much curvaceousness to them, brother." <laughs> <laughs> Bait and switch. Bait and switch. That's for the marketing people. All right. Um, I need, I need one more. Um, I see. I, I went. I went politics. I went sports. Um, I'll take, um, I'll take Aquafina because she's a ridiculous human. (laughs) Because every time she opens her mouth, I crack up laughing. Even when she tries to say serious things, I think it's funny. And I just, I, I, I want to be able to represent like this, this spectrum of, of humanity, uh, without bringing any white people. So that's what I did. Boom. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so after we had, after we talked all this time about, 
That's what we talk all the time about racism. You went out of your way to apply reverse racism to a little bit of your theory of who you're going to bring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you bring a horse to water, man. You just make added it Justin to the hypocrisy checklist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. Give me yours. I know, all right. I know, you, I know you got So it. to recap, you got Obama, you got Serena, and you got Aquafina. You want the aliens to think that we keep it nice and simple. We got single name humans on this earth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we do we tell the aliens that we call it Earth? Or do we tell them that we that we call it Earth? Earth. E R F. Earth. Welcome to planet Earth. What's <laughs> good, aliens? What's good? Welcome. Welcome to planet Earth. Here is Serena, Obama, and Aquafina. <laughs> All of our names sound oddly alike. <laughs> oh, and Jericho is with them too. I forgot about my own name. This is all. This is all mm. completely ridiculous. And that's right. You're with them. This is, all, this, this is all ridiculous. All right, I'm with it. All right, Give me yours. for me, <laughs> my list. Um. I'm bringing my man Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Black genius. We need, we need um, him up there too. Black genius, but like, I, I don't even, it's not even like, I don't care if he was black, white, blue, green. Like, listen to the man, listen, like, I, I love his, I love his podcast. Speaking of our podcast, I love his podcast, Star Talk. Um, and I, I love, you know, he, he has, he has a comedy, a, a, the perfect combination of the scientific understanding that we want at the table if we're going to be dealing with a situation like this because like we step into that we don't know what's going to happen when we step into their spaceship we don't know what's going to go on like we need someone that can on a whim be like oh shit like they got the like calculation of the oxygen levels in here for us to breathe wrong like let me sort this out like we need I need I need someone who's got that level of knowledge with them then um Unlike you, I am bringing a uh, Caucasian person with me. I'm bringing a Caucasian woman by the name of Daisy, who no, actually, I was going to say nobody, but if some people on this podcast um, will know, uh, she was for those for those listeners of this podcast that worked at me with my at worked with me at the uh, when I worked in professional language services. She's one of the top, top translators in the world. She was a linguist who there's like standard rates at which people translate in the industry for translation. It's like by the word, how many words are you can translate per minute, per hour, all this type of stuff. Like that all went out the window with this woman. She's one of the best. She's one of the most accomplished translators on the planet. She's one of the most linguistic experts, speaks multiple languages like was she was a machine when it comes to translation and so i'm kind of came up with that because i'm a big fan of the movie arrival i hope you and i get to talk about that another time i know you haven't seen it yet i asked you that over during the week uh, we'll talk about we'll probably we'll, hopefully we we'll get to break that down another time because it, it has it does a great deal talking about the uh, issue of how language shapes perception or vice versa but that being said i need someone who because it's not a matter of that they're gonna speak the alien language but if you you need someone who understands how languages work so that we even stand a chance to communicate. 
if they don't have if they don't if they haven't already figured out our language or don't have some like multi universal communicator that they have in like Star Trek and stuff. Right. Right. All right. 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 And then, uh, then I'm bringing Elon Musk. <laughs> Why? I I actually I like I I think I like the guy. I think I like the guy. Um, um, but like honestly, he I think he might he like he's probably one of them. He's the closest <laughs> I can think of. To to some to someone here who who might actually like like they might be like oh shit you brought one of us with you <laughs> so I'm bringing Elon Musk because I also know that like Elon Musk if he if if it turns out it's not he's not one of them or like he's like a different alien from a species like that they got beef with or whatever like he's also probably gonna have in his pocket the most some like high tech like pen sized weapon of mass destruction to like help us out because he, he you know he's got access to everything like he he, he he's got inventions that 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 aren't going to be known to the to the masses for for hundreds of years right <laughs> so that that's my crew me Yo. neil degrasse tyson daisy the linguist elon musk we the rolling in there. Alien. <laughs> <laughs> that dude ain't from here, Fizz. He's not from here. I don't like. <laughs> pick two he ain't, ain't from here. He ain't from here. But he, but he, but he, but he runs here. <laughs> like he's getting close to damn near running this place. Word, word. Ah, man. So that's Yo. that's who I'm bringing with. Um, I'm kind of mad. That you didn't bring me with, you didn't nominate me to be one of the peeps that comes with you, but you know, that's why well, I took you off my list. Uh, I figured you had your own list, man. I was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was, uh, I was watching, do. I was watching Jeopardy this week, and um, Gil Scott Heron was one of the, was one of the answers, and I got real excited because you know they don't usually people like Gil Scott Heron and I usually Jeopardy answers. And it just, it mm. brought me back to this moment that I just wanted to share with our listeners. The revolution will not be televised people, but it will be recorded on a podcast. So remember to tune in to the beat on podcast on a regular basis with my man Piz and Jericho Turner, because the revolution might not be televised, but it is being recorded. <laughs> and that is another episode of the Beat On Podcast. We'll catch you next time. All right. Powered, Powered. by Righteous Media.